Jerry Springer dead, Tucker fired, Don Lemon gone after 17 years. Oh, what a week. Uh, Albert, now you, you heard about some of these things, didn't you? This is Albert yes, I heard about all of them. <laughs> all right. Believe it or not. You know, have you ever been fired? Um, uh, I, I, the show that I was on was fired. Well, that's, that doesn't count. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I have not. Uh, all right. Well, I've been fired probably four times from broadcasting jobs and it is devastating because it's very public. Everybody knows about it. And in fact, it's so, it's been so devastating to Tucker Carlson that for the last week, he's been tanning his testicles again uh, to gird up his masculinity. Uh, and on the other hand, Don Lemon, uh, he doesn't have to tan his testicles. Yeah. They're already tan. So, I mean, it, it's been a rough week for those guys. I'm going to talk a bit about uh, firing, but uh, th that'll be a little bit later. Uh but also firing in a way because there are people who want to fire the president. Okay. Nikki Haley channeled Madam Cleo and said that Biden would probably be dead or actually most likely be dead in five years. I wonder if she predicted Jerry Springer's death too. What is she, a witch? <laughs> Take a look at this. Announced his, um, you know, that he's running again in 2024. And I think that we can all be very clear and, and say with a matter of fact that if you vote for Joe Biden, you really are counting on a President Harris because the idea that he would make it until 86 years old is not um, is not something that I think is likely. It's uh, the great Bainak will make a prediction. Nikki Haley will not be president in five years. In fact, I don't even think she's going to get the nomination. So that's my prediction, Nikki Haley. Um, so Joe Rogan jumped on board and said the only hope for the Democrats now is, is if Joe Biden dies. He must, he said he must die soon. <laughs> How morbid these people. You know, you have to, you have to remember, I mean, Trump is no spring chicken, as Don Lemon would say. He's past his prime. Uh He's going to be in his eight. If he got elected president again, he'd be in his 80s, too. I mean, who's going to die? I will tell you this, though, that um, that the Trump DeSantis clash, which I thought was going to be rock'em, sock'em robots, has turned out to be something just a whole lot weirder. OK, so DeSantis was in Japan this week for for some reason, you know. He wanted a picture of himself with the Japanese uh, prime minister so he could say, oh, I, I know something about international relations. Uh, but while he was over there, he was asked repeatedly questions like this one. And, and this isn't a doctored video. Look at his reaction. I'll show you falling behind uh, Trump. Any thoughts on that? I'm not I'm not a candidate, so we'll see if uh, if and when that changes. I'm not a candidate. I mean, this guy has the, when when uh, in the debate with Charlie Crist uh, for governor of Florida, Charlie Crist asked him if he would if he would pledge to fill out his full term, meaning you're going to devote yourself to the state of Florida and not to flying around the world and the country trying to get votes in a presidential primary. And DeSantis stood there like this. This guy is just weird. 
He has what some a kind of a uh, a Reagan uh, movement there with his head. Except Reagan yeah. did. Reagan was old. It was probably you know older people are a bit shaky. You know older what I loved people. about Reagan and being old is what? he used it to his advantage because yeah, when people yeah. would scream questions to him, he'd say, eh. "Yeah," like indicating he can't hear. Well, maybe, I, maybe maybe Biden should do that too. Maybe. All right, but this this whole thing is so weird. Uh, even even. Well, Trump's always been weird, but uh, he gave a speech in New Hampshire. Uh, it, it, it wasn't uh, all that well attended. His rallies are not of the size that they used to be. But his performance up there, just weird again. Take a look at this. I'm going to do it. See, when lots of toxic poop gets stuck in the gut, it can lead to all sorts of problems. Trying to hold in painful gas all day. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, well, you know, he is getting on in years and constipation and painful gas sometimes come along with age. Um, all right, so let me get back to uh, Jerry Springer's death. Now, people always assume that I'm going to be resentful of Jerry Springer or angry. People always come up to me, aren't you upset Jerry Springer stole your act? Well, basically, he didn't steal my act. He stole one part of outrageous television. He didn't steal the real comedy or the imagination or... I, I, listen, I'm not saying it was a a great work of performance art. But the shows did have some sort of context and imagination to them, and I would play different characters uh, acting in them. But one thing that did surprise me was how laudatory and sweet the obituaries were for Jerry Springer. Now, one of my bucket list things is to have something printed in the New York Times. So I've sent them articles, never printed. I sent the Metropolitan Diary. I thought was a great story. They didn't print it. I even sent Modern Love, a story uh, about uh, Kyle and I on a Christmas uh, when I had to leave New York. They didn't print it. And I've always thought, well, if I get an obituary, the top line is going to say, King of Trash TV, Richard Bay, even though <laughs> I've done so many other things. I was an actor off-Broadway, on-Broadway for 10 years. I was uh, on political talk radio. I I interviewed people on a serious Donahue-style show for far more years than the, uh, the Richard Bay show was on. But I always thought my obituary would be sort of snarky. But Jerry got... I mean, Albert, even you sent me an email because they called him a pioneer. Yes, in, in, in one of the headlines I saw. Jerry Springer, Springer pioneer of television? Yes. Yeah, well. <laughs> I questioned that. Well, he, he did sort of tread on my trail a bit, but uh, if he's a pioneer, what does that make me? An explorer, <laughs> right? Okay. But the other thing was at the time we see, we received all of us, the talk show hosts, 
vituperative criticism. You're destroying American society. Oh, this is culture. People around the world are going to see how stupid we are. Look at this cover of TV Guide, you know, from that time. Do we Hold have on that? A second. I had another thing before that. So let me let me change that. For oh, you. oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. I forgot about oh, I'll get back to that. That's yeah. Let my just, fault. Let me just get the TV guide up here for you. There okay, we there we go. Our talk show's out of control. This was my fault. Okay, and there's Jenny Jones and Jerry and Ricky and Mon I didn't make the cover. But uh, anyway, it, it even went this far. New York Magazine did a whole article on white trash. Can we see that cover? That should be next, right? There we go. White Trash Nation. That's Anna Nicole Smith. And inside, uh, they also had a picture of me. And uh, I was a part of, there I am all the way at the top. I don't know if you can make it out up there. Me with a couple of girls we met in a bar. No. All right. TV trash. There we are. <laughs> there I am. And believe me, I didn't make that girl open her shirt like that. And that's Grant Show and Beavis and Butthead. And I was thrown in with all those people. Actually, I wrote New York Magazine. I said, well, I said, uh, you have such a cute name for my uh, Caucasian guests. I said, what do you call the black ones? What kind of a cute name do you have for the black people who come on my TV show? Uh, they didn't have an answer for that. Okay, that's enough of that. So um, one thing surprising. Jerry Springer had 7 million viewers at the height of his uh, popularity. And that was after I left the airwaves. Uh, that was 1998. 7 million viewers. Now, Tucker Carlson had 2.6 million viewers the last day he was on Fox News. Jerry Springer had 7 million. Um, now, when they replaced... Um, uh, Tucker Carlson with a fill-in host, Brian Kilmeade. Um, it went down to 1.3 million viewers, but this was surprising to me. Tucker Carlson was not the most popular show on Fox News. You know, you don't watch it, Albert, so I can't ask you, but uh, have I you ever have watched it? Okay. Do you know what the most popular show on Fox News is? Now, this to me, I just can't understand at all. I'm going to say the five. The five is, have you ever watched that? Yes, you're right. I have flipped past it and I have flipped past it, but I can understand the appeal of America to that. I, wait a second. I have never heard Greg Gutfield, who's the host of that show, say anything within a thousand miles of funny. <laughs> I agree, but but I know people who like the guy a lot. I don't get it. No. I don't get it. All right. Anyway, after uh, Fox News uh, took off Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson, Newsmax with Eric Bowling as, as host had more than a half million viewers, whereas they usually got about a hundred thousand. So, um, you know, people want to go where they're going to hear the lies. They want to go where they're going to hear the vaccine is poison and the election was rigged and January 6th was just a, a Sunday in the park with George. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Latin phrase, mundus volt decipi, ergo 
decipitor. I hope I said that right in Latin. And what it translates as is the world wants to be deceived. Therefore, let them be deceived. So um, that's sort of what I, I have to say about Tucker. But I think that uh, that Howard Stern said it best. And uh, let me just quote some of the things he said. He says, one thing I never forget, my boss is super wealthy. Like if you work for Rupert Murdoch, you know that motherfucker's got so many billions that as important as Tucker Carlson might be to the Fox network, he will fire your ass if you're a pain in the ass. Because at the end of the day, you're a fly on his asshole. You're nothing because he's still going to have billions and billions and billions of dollars and own a giant corporation. You cannot fuck up. You can only push them so far. And, you know, as someone who was in a, uh, broadcasting for a lot of years, uh, probably not as many as Howard, but, uh, He's absolutely right. Um, in King Lear, Shakespeare said something similar. As flies to wanton boys are we to the gods, they kill us for their sport. And you know, when I had an agent, his name was Alfred Geller. He was a very tough negotiator. And um, one of the stories he told me uh, you know, to entice me to sign up with him, was that uh, he was also Maury Povich's agent. And he said that on current affair, Povich's contract was up and he demanded a million dollars for Povich to resign. And the guy who was head of the syndicated group said, you're out of your mind, crazy. It's a magazine show. They don't watch this for Povich. And he called uh, Rupert Murdoch and Rupert Murdoch said, well, do whatever you want. You know, that's okay. You know, tell them to forget it and uh, go take a walk. So the guy told him, we're not doing it. Forget it. You either come back for the same salary or you're finished at current affair. So anyway, Murdoch was about to get on a plane to fly to Australia. He was, uh, I don't know, eight hours in the air. And when he landed in Australia, he called the station group guy back and he said, listen, I've been thinking about it. The show's a success. And what the heck? It's a million dollars. Give him the million. And the guy, the executive had to call the agent back and, and basically grovel and say, OK, here's the million dollars. And now, later on, um, I'll tell you how he tried the same thing with me, but with much less success. But this whole idea of billionaires, you know, I've always thought there wouldn't even be a Howard Stern if there wasn't for a billionaire. Because he was fired from NBC. Remember he mocked, what did he call him? Albert, do you remember pig face or pig vomit? Isn't pig that vomit, what he, he called him. Pig vomit. Program he, director. He called the program director. On the air. Uh, on the air, right. So eventually they, they got rid of him. But who saved him? A guy that was worth half a billion dollars at the time, which was way before billionaires were coming out of our ears in America, a guy called Mel Carmazin, who owned Sirius uh, Radio. And he hired Stern for Sirius Radio and basically pulled Sirius, you know, into the limelight. He didn't own Sirius. He, no, he was the CEO. Right. 
Right. I'm sorry. Did I say own? He was the CEO of Sirius. So he made that decision. The guy who does own Sirius now is John C. Malone. He's worth $9.3 billion and leaves Stern alone because he brings in the bucks. Now, at that time, you know, when when talk shows were being denigrated everywhere, uh, uh, across every medium, mine and Charles Perez and Ricky and uh, and Tempest Bledsoe and Jerry and Sally, Je so many of us bit the dust. But Jerry didn't. And why? Because he had a billionaire owner on his side. Barry Diller complained that every time he went to a cocktail party, people would say, how could you put that Jerry Springer on television? And he said, it's painful to have to go through that. I go to a charity event and all they want to talk about is Jerry Springer. And Barry Diller stuck with Springer. He's worth $4.2 billion. And Murdoch, who throws away a million dollars on Maury Povich as if he's leaving a quarter tip in the diner, Rupert Murdoch is worth $21.7 billion. He is the 31st richest person in the United States. So it's all these billionaires. You know, when I was on TV, people would say, you have to have a rabbi. You have to have somebody that's looking out for you. And if he's got a billion dollars, so much the better. Um, now, I'm going to talk a bit about my firings. Because uh, getting fired in broadcasting is so much different than getting fired anywhere else. First of all, it's out there in the public and everybody knows. And the things that people ask you out of them, the most ridiculous and the most hurtful is, so what are you going to do next? <laughs> How do you know? Now, my first job on television was a fluke. It was a show called Two on the Town. And my parents were quelling, oh, our son is on television. And uh, he was a, a, an actor for so many years. And he was working, but he made no money. And now he's on TV. And I went, I was out at their house. And they said, oh, you've got to talk to our neighbors. We're so proud of you. And they watch you every week. And I went out and I talked to the neighbors. And they wanted an autograph. And then my mother said, Richard, there's a phone call for you. And I took the phone call and the executive producer of my show said, listen, I think you should come in. I want to have a talk with you. I said, no, no, tell me over the phone. He says, no, I think this is something I have to tell you in person. I said, no, tell me over the phone. And he said, you're being replaced. At this very moment, I'm at my parents' house. I said, you're joking, right? And he said, no. And I said, and, and who am I being replaced with? And he said, you're being replaced with your co-host's husband or fiance, because they hadn't been married yet. And I said, now I know you're joking. Come on. Uh, well, I was replaced. Here they are, the happy couple who took over the show. Um, they were fired a year later, and their marriage didn't last much longer. Now, uh, Albert, what do you think? About they, about this. Okay. They sent me an invitation to their wedding. <laughs> All right. I know what you think now. And I've always thought, I said, uh, people said, oh, don't be petty. Go to the, I said, are you freaking kidding me? I'm going to go to their wedding. No, when they, no, no. You didn't go? 
I didn't go. Why? What do you think I should have done? Oh, well, here's the perfect answer to that. What you should have done was go to the wedding, give them your best wishes, and not give them a wedding gift because you already did. <laughs> yeah, nice. And you would have eaten their food and everything would have been great. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Anyway, I didn't go to the wedding. Um, now, the next time that I got fired, it was in Philadelphia on, on People Are Talking. And my agent, once again, the guy that got the million dollars for Maury, he called the program director and he said, listen, Bay has doubled your ratings. He's a star now. You were doing nothing before he got there. His show's a success. Either double his salary or don't talk to us. And when Albert told me this, I said, Albert, don't do this. The executives think they are the I stars. I didn't tell you that. No. You said me. Alfred, Alfred, Alfred Geller. Okay, that's different. Alfred Geller. Okay, no, it wasn't you. So, Alfred, I said, don't do this. They think they are the stars. They think we're nothing without them. And they don't believe in talent. They just believe that I hire somebody and put a camera on them. That makes them a star. So, anyway, I'm doing the show. And the night before one of my biggest interviews, I get a phone call from a hairdresser that I knew in Philadelphia. Now, this was actually the show that I did in New York. And she tells me, I cut one of the executive's hair and you're going to be replaced with Matt Lauer. And I said, are you kidding me? I haven't heard anything about that. Nobody even told me. In two weeks, they were going to replace me with, with Matt. You think Tucker Carlson got fired abruptly? So anyway, the next morning I called my agent. I said, listen, I hear I'm going to be replaced with Matt Lauer. He said, I haven't heard anything. He calls up, calls me back and says, yeah, you're going to be replaced with Matt Lauer. And that morning I had an interview with Sammy Davis Jr. And since I knew I was going, I said, this is going to be the best interview I've ever done. A live one hour interview on live New York television. And I think it was. But Sammy Davis Jr. gave me a piece of advice, and he didn't even know at that time how pertinent it was to me. Take a look at this. An incredible breakthrough oh, yeah. role for you made... made but I got a flash for you. As you survive in this business, and a piece of advice, you better learn to be a fatalist. Do the best you can do and if the chips don't fall that way, don't stop and cry over it, because as you're stopping to cry over it, the train passes you by. <laughs> Keep up with that train. <laughs> and you don't know how important those words are to me at this very moment. <laughs> Someday I will tell you a story. All right. <laughs> well, I just told you the story behind that. But he wasn't talking about my situation, which nobody knew at that point. He was talking about losing a role himself. Now, another time I got fired was at WABC Radio, and I probably should have known I was heading out the door. Uh, they got rid of, it was right before the invasion of Iraq. And... The, 
the program director got rid of a, uh, uh, a peacenik reverend who was on religion online with a militaristic rabbi and a war-supporting priest. So he was gone and totally befuddled why they got rid of him. Lynn Samuels, who was against the war, they got rid of her. Ron Kuby was on with Curtis Lee in the morning, and they would get into a heated debate over um, the, the WMD nonsense and Sodom having an atom bomb. And Ron Kuby would always be sent home. Curtis, not so much. Curtis stayed on the air with all the nonsense about WMD and nuclear bombs and how we had to go there to, because they were connected to 9-11 and all this other BS. But uh, Kuby was always, always sent home. So a lot of times that left me as the only person on the air talking about how this so-called evidence was either unsubstantiated, fabricated, um, exaggerated, and could not be a foundation for an invasion of a Middle Eastern country where so many thousands of lives would be lost. So in February of 2020, no, yeah, of, of 2003, which was about a month and a half before the invasion, I got this phone call. Sometimes the listeners <laughs> seem to know more about your situation than you do. Take a listen. Back to the point again, and I can't stress it enough. These, we are, the country right now is being run by a cabal of right-wing religious fanatics. Hey, but there's going to be, wait, wait, wait a fanatics. second. Wait, if you believe that, there is going to be an election in two years. Why don't, why don't you at least stick around and try to work to uh, change what you what you believe is your perception? Too late, Richard. They own. They own. They own the airwaves. You are. You will not be around for. I, I guarantee. In six months, once your contract up, you will not be renewed. I guarantee it. Right. Totally guaranteed. They could fire me before then. I'm always well, here at the could, pleasure. I won't, hey, I won't be at all surprised if you get fired before then. Well, but your contract will not, I repeat, will not be re renewed. All right. If I do, I will get a soapbox and stand in uh, Central Park. And, uh... Uh, or I'll get a podcast, which is what I've done. So anyway, that caller predicted it. And uh, like Nikki Haley, uh, he... His psychic powers, though, unlike Nikki Haley's, his psychic powers were real. I was fired a month and a half later as the invasion of the war in Iraq began. You couldn't have somebody on the air who was denigrating the whole reason why 4,500 American soldiers would die for a lie. Um. All right. And really, one of the worst, I still have nightmares once in a while. I was in Philadelphia and we, I got a new program director. And when he came in, I said, am I OK here? Because I'm about to buy a house. I'm going to closing on a townhouse in Society Hill. And he said, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. And then all of a sudden, newspaper articles appeared in the Philadelphia Inquirer. Oh, Richard Bay is is dangling in the wind. They're interviewing people to replace him. Oh, Richard Bay won't last long. And later I found out that the TV critic was in cahoots with the program director floating all these things 
in the press. So I had a contract that said I had to be notified in 60 days or it would automatically enter another year term. That's the kind of contracts usually they give you on television that, you know, they're, they're for a year and you could be fired after, uh, you can only be, once you're in that next year, you can't be fired or unless you're paid off. So anyway, um, this contract was going up, uh, I guess it was June 30th. So on April 30th, I said, I said to my girlfriend, I said to my best friend, oh my God, I guess I'm not going to get fired after all these articles, after everything. I said, I guess I made it because they've got to give me 60 days notice. And I took them out to this big dinner and we drank wine. And as I'm sitting there, I've said, wait a second. How many days are there in May? I know there's 30 in April. There's 30 in June. There's 31 days in May. They have one more day to fire me. And the next day they did. <laughs> oh, my God. So I went to work to make sure. I looked at the board, which is where we put up all the shows that are coming. I wanted to make sure that we had the best ratings that we ever had. And we had really good ratings. And one thing in Philly... I have to tell you is this, is that Philly's such a small town that um, <laughs> that my firing made the front page of the Philadelphia Daily News. I wish I still had a copy of it here somewhere. And I think I do somewhere. It said, Bay gets the boot. Because I used to wear cowboy boots all the time. And it had a smiling picture of me and it talked about uh, my cowboy boots, but it made the front page of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Talk about having your firing uh, be public. Uh, so anyway, it, it, it is kind of traumatic when you're fired. You know, you get, everybody gets fired sooner or later, usually. But when it all happens in the public eye, I guess to some degree uh, I was inured because I'd been an actor and, uh, you know, your job is never permanent as, a, as an actor. Uh, okay, today, though, we're starting something new. What is it called, Albert? Hash? What? It's called Side of Hash. Side of Hash. Side and, of hash. Uh, and if you want to know why, we'll tell you why as we get there. It's sort of a discussion that Albert and I usually have when the show is over, running over what we did and what we've done during the week. And maybe it'll be of interest to you, maybe not. But if you if you want to catch it, where can they see it, Albert? We're going to put it up on a separate uh, podcast called Side of Hash. And okay. After, okay. I guess, today, you can search for Side of Hash and it will be there. And the, the link will be also down in the bottom of the YouTube link and you can find it on all the current Richard Bay talk. Okay. Podcasts. All right. So if they want more, they can go take a look at that. Yes. All right. Thanks for watching. And remember, subscribe. You won't miss a podcast. Uh, share it wherever you can on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever. And uh, tell all your friends about it. And as always, all my best. Take care.